You're tuning into the Active Mom Podcast with physical therapist, Dr. Carrie Pagliano, a real mom's guide to all things postpartum return to workouts after baby. If you're a postpartum mom, coach, trainer, or physical therapist looking for answers on how to get back to running, CrossFit, yoga, Pilates, HIIT, you name it without the fear of pelvic floor issues or doing something wrong, this is the podcast for you. Let's start the show. All right. So my introduction to our next guest was in learning to say her name correctly (laughs) (laughs) and how important it is to ask for things that you want. And so I am not going to butcher her name. I am not going to mess it up, even though I'm like 99% sure in my head, I'm going to say it right, but I'm I'm scared now. All of a sudden I'm going to say it wrong. (laughs) Surabi Beach. Yes, That's right. You nailed it. Yay! I did it. I yep. did it. I did it. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I we've known each other. I don't know how long now. We're like Insta friends. Couple years. Like, yeah. I yeah. feel like time has no meaning with yeah. with COVID. I'm like COVID oh has like diluted everything, and I'm like I don't even know what you're wearing anymore. <laughs> what planet are we on? I don't know. <laughs> um, so we met just I think just in circles and realized that we both were doing pelvic health and your kids are a little bit younger than mine, but we were just kind of trying to get through the pandemic and navigate our way through social. But um, tell a little bit about like who you are officially. um, So yeah, I think we connected and I really resonated with your messaging too, which was very empowering and kind of taking the fear out of pelvic health and postpartum and symptoms and getting people back to being active. And I really resonated with that because I had my second child during the pandemic in September, 2020. So he'll be two this month. (gasps) That was fast. Um, So fast. And my daughter's four. And so I am a physiotherapist. I've been a physio for now 11 years. I got into, I started working in orthopedics, sports medicine, and I got into pelvic health because I had my daughter and experienced a really challenging postpartum with leaks, prolapse, diastasis, a total identity loss and shift, mental health issues, the whole, all, the, all whole the, things. the whole thing. All the things. My birth was magical. I had a beautiful home birth, unmedicated. And I was like, I did it. I succeeded. And then I, all the postpartum stuff hit. And I'm like, wait, what? I planned so much for pregnancy right. and birth. And then like did not plan for postpartum. And I saw a pelvic physio. So I did that part. But unfortunately, it depends who you see because the messaging from her was like, do Kegels, do bridges for like yeah. eight months. And I'm like, how am I going to get back to running or rock climbing or like the things that I like doing? And I never got back to it. And then I had my second child and I was like, screw this. I'm not, I'm not losing myself uh, again. I'm Finding my identity as an athlete, as a mom, as a person who remembers myself still and isn't just pouring myself into motherhood and losing who I am. And so I did that over the pandemic and it has been incredible. I started my business, The Passionate Passionate Physio, because I want to support moms who are in the same stage as I am, who need help getting active, remembering who they are as a mom and athlete. I work with a lot of recreational athletes who um, it's really easy for recreational athletes to give up their athleticism because they're not competing. And it's, it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, those intramural soccer games, they're not a priority right now. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, those bike rides, not a priority. I'll get back to it at some point. And then years goes by and you realize it's so much harder to get back to things when you've let it go for so long. Um, Totally. So that's, that's kind of how I got into what I do. That's awesome. So, I mean, this, this perfect segue into like, 
where do we lose moms in the fourth trimester? Because I mean, my experience was very similar to you. I mean, I was in pelvic health before, but as all pelvic health therapists, we did ortho first. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Nordic skied, right? <laughs> and we both cross country skied. Yeah. Exactly. And That's so, what... like, we were strong. It wasn't like we were yes. weak going into birth. Exactly. So, like, yeah. we go into pregnancy and we want to do all the right things and we get it all planned out. And some of us are kind of stupid and laminate our birth plans and it didn't exactly <laughs> go to plan. Not saying who that is. But then, like, we start these basic programs but kind of get stuck in it. So how to, like, where do we lose moms? Where do we lose that intention to get back or to find themselves again? Like how do, how do we kind of tap into that? I actually encourage moms to start as early as possible postpartum. I know that there's this push, let it rest, let it recover. But the thing is moms are active from week one postpartum. They're lifting, yeah. carrying their babies, carrying strollers. And if we're not supporting them through that, they learn how to do it in their own way with breath holding, with maybe poor pressure management strategies where they're putting more stress on their pelvic floor or their healing abs, I would rather support you from the beginning if if you're, again, if you're ready. And because I work virtually, it's really easy for moms to gain that support yes. right from the get-go. And yep. I think that has been the biggest thing is improving accessibility to support early on in the totally. postpartum phase where the mom doesn't have to arrange for childcare, arrange for this, make it to the appointment only to find her baby has a diaper blowout and you're like, you miss the whole idea of like self-care at that point. Yeah. Um, and I also like to give them small wins early on. So it's not yes. just, oh, let's do this boring stuff forever. I'm giving them wins from the beginning, teaching them how to lift carry with ease right from the first session on. So they want to do it. They're more, they're more motivated. I hear from so many people, oh, I did pelvic physio, but I got bored of doing my Kegels. So I stopped. Right. And I'm like, uh, I would too. I stopped totally. too because it's, extremely boring and yes. not functional. And so really building into functional exercise. So, you know, I'll, I'll say when you're playing with your babies on the floor, when you're instead of staring at your baby, get down over them, do some cat cows, do some bird dogs, do some yep. squats with your baby when they don't want to be put down. Like I had a daughter who refused to be put down unless <laughs> and she wanted to be walked for every nap. So I'm like, I wish back then I even thought to do stroller exercises. So now when I had right. my second, I would be pushing the stroller and I would stop at every red light or every traffic light and do some squats or do some hip swings just to even improve my mobility, improve my intentional movement and kind of self-awareness, checking in with my body. How am I feeling? It's too easy to get bogged down with like baby care and forget yes. ourselves. And I really yes. think that if we build in these habits early on, it makes their entire motherhood journey easier. Like one of my mom, one of my clients was like, I feel ready to rock motherhood. Like I, yes. I feel so much stronger and better because the work that I'm doing with my clients is not just physical. There's a lot of coaching behind it, kind of that There's strategy so and mental health yes. and like self-compassion. All of those things yeah. are things we talk about because moms need that. And I find yeah. that as physios, sometimes we're so focused on like yeah. the pelvis and right. we ignore that the person is a human being first. Yeah. With but the start, starting that conversation early on, I think is so incredibly important. And, you know, my experiences were very different. My oldest three-day induction. We were in the hospital for a week. It was just not like, it was, it was a shit show. I'll be honest. And then, <laughs> so like the idea of moving, I knew I needed to, but it was horrifying. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, if I can just get out of the house and walk a half a block down the street and like, you cannot bridge the gap between 
those tiny little things and who I used to be like, you just get lost. I think another place that it's really easy to get lost. um, We here in the States, um, just for reference, um, you're, you're in Ontario in Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, So we in the States, moms tend to go back, um, I would say between eight to 12 weeks postpartum. And I think moms do reason, like if they're going to do a decent job, they do a good job up until that point. And then once they go to back, back to work, like, it's you're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get back to my routine. And then they never do. So I love that you talk about kind of, you know, making it functional, moving them on from the basic stuff, but then also like the logistics piece of it. Um, the logistics is key, right? Like, yeah. how are you going to get in movement during your workday? Yeah. Because if you can get your exercises in then, then yes. you can go home, pick up your kid and be with your family. Yeah. I don't want you to be 8 p.m. exhausted trying to fit in movement. No. Right? And, it's, and, it's and, and you know reasonable. it's a setup. You know yeah. totally it's a setup. You're like, well, I didn't do that before pregnancy. What makes me think I'm going to do it now? Exactly. Um, I spend so much time. Have you ever read Atomic Habits? Yes. Okay. Um, James Clear is coming on the podcast. No way. That's huge. How did you make that happen? Oh, my gosh. That's another story. So um, (laughs) I don't remember when this is airing. So I I think he's coming on after. I think he's our finale this year. But anyway, I use that book so much where we talk about like habit stacking. Like how do you set yourself up so that you get up, you go pee, you go get the babies who's crying, you feed the baby, you put the baby down, you go immediately to the mat downstairs in the corner, you start your exercises. If the baby's crying again, your husband knows to go get the baby. Like, yeah, you do not set yourself up to fail. And exactly. I wish I, 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 I wish I'd had myself back then. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I feel. I'm like, all of this advice that I'm giving you, nobody told me to tell people no! this. It's from our like experience as mothers, right? And like, yes, we're using our training as physios and like we're both pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaches. So we're using that experience. But honestly, it wasn't until I became a mom that I realized Mm-mm. it's not that we don't care or we don't want to do it. It's just that it's really hard to make it work. And we need different strategies, especially yeah. when your kids are young and you can't be away from them for too long and um, and you're exhausted. Yes. Like you might be sleep deprived. How- how are you going to make it happen? I'm not going to get you waking you... up at 4 a.m. to do it. Right. You know, it's just like... not... well, and that's the thing to... I, I ask people too. And, and, and I think at first you're like, well, why are you asking me these questions? Because if they've gone to see anybody else before, you just hand them a list full of exercise and say, do it. And I'm like, no, part of my job is to help figure out one, like how little do you have to do so no one dies? Like, top two, three exercises. And then if you can't get to them, bring it back to me so I can help you figure this out. Like, it's one of those things that like, I will sit down with you and by the minute we will work this out because I can give you the most perfect program. But if we can't figure out how to integrate it, then it's, it's, it's not doing either of us any good. But I, I don't know that to your point, you know, I think that always the concern, well, can I bill for that? Or, you know, is that physical therapy? I'm like, that's human care. That's like caring yes. for another person. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like basic because it's behavior change yes. cannot happen if people, you can't, no, you cannot change behavior mm-hmm. and change habits. If you don't even know what the, first of all, I like that you brought that up because you've got to get it, get to know the person yes. in front of you. And like, you know, our assessments probably are a lot of talking because I want to get to know them. Yes. So I understand what their days look like. How many kids do they have in their home? What's their layout like? Are they working from home still? What tools do they have accessible? And I always ask them, I'm like, will this be feasible in your day? Like, will this work? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, this will totally work. Or if they're like, right. And I'm like, let's make it so simple that you yes. win every day. 
cracks me up. You ask moms, you're like, well, how much time do you have? And if it's, if it's a newer mom and they're kind of out of the dark, they're like, oh, well, I have 30 or 40 minutes. I'm like, bullshit. No, you no don't. Way. <laughs> I know. I have moms like, I like, want to work out no, five no, no. days a week. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, no. let's just, let's just be upfront. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a small fraction of you and I, I see you like, I'm not you, but I see you. But it's, I, I, I think when I turn on and say, okay, that's you don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell yeah. me what is actually reasonable, reasonable, normal average in your house. And you know, and I know that every single person and animal in your house, they wake up trying to foil your plan. So let's plan on them trying to foil your plan. And that, that becomes plan A. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, how, what's the bare minimum you have to do each week to feel good and yes. improve? Do that. Like totally. when your kids are sick, because like literally since my kids started childcare last year, mm-hmm. they've been sick probably like eight out of 12 months, right? Oh, like yeah. it's constant colds, yeah. something or the other. And I'm like, if I can still take care of myself when they're sick, that's a win. If I just say, oh, I'll wait till they get better. I'll wait till this happens. I'll wait till that happens. It just never happens. And that's as a new mom, they don't know that yet. We can, we can, we know that because we have hindsight, but they don't know that yet. So I don't like to scare them, but I'm also honest. And I'm like, it doesn't necessarily get easier to do it later. Right. You might, it actually gets busier sometimes with older kids in a different way. I think. Yeah, I think it's actually much busier when you have older kids and they're doing activities and they're they have you know you they're louder. Calendar. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot even imagine. We signed up my daughter for swim classes this year. That was one activity, and I'm I was overwhelmed. I'm like, I'm so glad they're done. We have one more class, and I'm like, we're done. But to to your point though, like I I, I do inpatient or inpatient. In- I don't do inpatient in person. Good lord, never did inpatient. Um, I do in person and I have a policy. I was like, look, if somebody in your house is sick and, you know, COVID's still here. So like if that happens, like we just switch to telehealth because inevitably, inevitably, someone's going to be sick. Definitely. And guess who has to put their stuff on the back burner every single freaking time? It's mom. And also mom tends to go down harder too, which really is Yeah, fair. because she's sleep deprived. Right. She's exhausted. Her immune system's down. Exactly. Yeah. But the, the, when, I, when I send that email, I'm like, hey, we don't have to cancel it. Just switch over to here. Here's the link. I'll see you at this time. Like, they're so appreciative because again, like I can't even, I, I, I'd run out of fingers how many times that I've had to reschedule my stuff just even in the last week now that the kids are back in school because they've got this or they've got that. And, you know, for once to be able to be like, no, my stuff doesn't have to be rescheduled. And as you know, working virtually, like I can do 95%, I dare say 98% of my job just like this. Yeah, exactly. Just like this, if not better yeah. And I think I've become better in person because of doing virtual over the past however many years at this and point. And so. in, in many ways, I feel like clients listen more and they trust themselves yeah. more because yeah. they trust themselves to do the exercises mm-hmm. because they're not having me hold them, you know, move them, move their bodies for them. Yeah. Like I remember working in clinic before, I would cue a lot manually, you mm-hmm. know, put my hands on their hips. And it's forcing me to be better at teaching. It's forcing mm-hmm. me to be more effective at teaching. And Tr- well, you're a trust- team. You're a team. team. You're not, I dictate to you, you do as I say. It's, yeah. and that's, I think that's the most fun. I, I said to a client yesterday and she looked at me like I had four heads, but she's seen other therapists. So it makes sense. And I was like, look, I don't know how this is going to play out. I was dead up front with her. I was like, this is kind of what I think is going on. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to give you my best guess on what to try. 
but I don't know for sure how your body's going to react. So you get to go play. You come back, report back, tell me what went really well, and we'll leverage the hell out of that. Tell me what didn't go well. And now I'm going to use my spidey sense to dive in a little bit deeper and take what I know and see if we can figure this out. And But you don't, you don't need to be in the same room as somebody to do that. And I think that's the beauty of kind of the, the care that you're providing, which I, I love. All right. For you, mm-hmm. it's been a hell of a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see sure yourself has. as like, you know, wanting to be a postpartum advocate? Did you like, what was it that you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm signing up for this. I'm going to, you know, put myself out there on social. I'm going to, I'm going to speak. So I've always been rooting for the underdog kind of person and women, period, you know, underdogs, moms, even more so they're undervalued, they're overloaded, they're overwhelmed. And I noticed that even before I became a mom, but personally, I didn't really get it until I became a mom. And after I had my first one, I started going to mom groups and just like informally presenting postures, tips, and people were like loving it. They're like, oh my God, I want more. And at that time, I took a 15-month mat leave and I like almost lost my mind because for me, I really enjoy what I do for work too and I needed a better balance. So after my second, it was the pandemic. My husband was working from home. So when he was about four months, I started taking clients and I started my first round of my postpartum return to exercise group. It all started by just an Instagram account. And I started sharing my journey and I was like, I kind of want to do this like program. I think it'd be really good. And actually it was one of my friends who I, who she was almost a year postpartum and she had postpartum depression that she didn't know, but I knew because I had been there and I recognized all the signs and she was a athletic uh, figure skater, like Mm -hmm. master's level, national level. Like she's fantastic. And she had not returned to exercise because (gasps) she had had an emergency C-section and her pelvic physio is giving her basic exercises. And I'm like, I need, I can help her. I can help so yeah. many moms like her. So she was in my first round of prep and literally her life changed in eight weeks because she had coaching and guidance and support and all these moms, we we're going through it together. And at that point I was four months postpartum and I'm oh like, my goodness. I'm showing you that I'm doing this with you. Yeah. And people were like, holy crap. Like, and I'm like, this is how I make it work. It's not pretty. It's not perfect, but yeah. it is, it's working. I'm so much stronger now than I ever was after my first child. Right. You know, it's so I think I just started speaking. And as I shared more, I got more confidence sharing and I realized that my voice was needing to be heard. You know, sometimes you don't think, oh, everyone's talking about it. What, why does my voice matter? But I have a unique lens. You know, I am a mom. Yes, I'm a physio. Yes, but I'm also an immigrant. I'm also a woman of color. I have so many experiences from my lens that people who are white skin will never have. And a lot of the physios, as you know, are white. A lot of the people I went to school with are white. And a lot of the pelvic physios in particular are white. There's fewer women of color entering pelvic physiotherapy, but you're like, um, like one third or one fifth of the world is Indian. Like, you know, like, like there, (laughs) the other fifth is like Chinese and Asian. So it's like, there's a lot of people who need our support and they also need that they need to know that we understand their lens. And I find that because I do virtual, it actually opens up the accessibility for a lot of yes. moms who may not have felt comfortable doing an in-person visit or even leaving their homes and talking about these leaks and 
you know, pain with sex out in public with other people around in the next room. Yeah. Like, you know, you're kind of feeling like you have to whisper about these things. Like they're in the comfort of their own home. Yep. They don't feel that, that, you know, and even I have tons of white clients who are like, I don't want anybody doing an assessment. Like I, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. You don't need one. And so I teach them also how to do self-palpation so that they're understanding that it's their body and it's like, they're the bad, they're the masters of their own body. Um, and so I really do feel that if you have a story to be told, it's your duty to tell it yeah. in whatever way. Some people do it through art. Some people do it to, through other ways. And I love talking, as you can see. <laughs> no, you don't love talking at all. I don't love talking at all. But you know what? It's so funny because Instagram's like 15-second clips, right? Like you got to right. be fast. And it's it's a visual medium, so there's less talking. But, you know, I still use my voice in many ways and my stories. And, like, so many people relate to me. I was going to say you're incredibly relatable and approachable. And, and again, I mean, I think back, you know, social media wasn't – not that I'm hugely old, but, like, my youngest is turning nine. And yeah. it wasn't a thing, you know. And I cannot imagine going through this – and then putting stuff out there simultaneously. And I, I, I you know, I give you so much credit because that's incredibly courageous. One, two, you know, to have it with two kids home during a pandemic, you know, again, more power to you. But I like, honestly, looking back on it, I'm like, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> it it might have been a survival sort of thing, too. I you're think trying to find. I mean, I remember when my kids were that young and. I had a community, you know, you would meet the moms at, at, you know, preschool drop off and things like that. And for, for you guys, you didn't have that. So maybe that was, you know, what you did, but, you know, again, to, to have gone through two pregnancies and to, you know, publicly navigate this, but then also navigate it with another group of women, like that takes a lot of kahunas. And um, like, that's what I really felt was and so I, there was like, for me too, I was like, this is a form of community. And I was connecting yeah. with people all across the US, all across the world who, you know, we always assume that the people in our immediate community have to be our village. And yeah. they may not because they may have different values. A lot of the people, women in, who live in my area don't, aren't athletic. They don't want to return to mm -hmm. exercise. So I'm like, it's really, you know, it's really nice to be able to reach a wider net yes. or cast a wider, wider net. And I really do think that, I, my biggest barrier to starting was I didn't see people like me online. I didn't see other Indian women, physios, right. fitness coaches online. And I was like, oh, like, I don't want to stand out and be only like, because this is what exactly what happens. I know for sure my following, my reach would be greater if I was white skinned because people would see me as more relatable. For, for me, as a brown woman, people have to actually follow me for a bit and be like, oh, I do relate to her just because, right. you know, we don't have to be the same skin, skin color, but we're so used to seeing athletes, white athletes, white, you know, white, white, white as the norm, as yeah. the standard of expertise that people don't even realize they're making these, they have these biases and subconscious bias, unconscious bias. So I really do feel like it takes me a little bit longer probably to reach people. Mm -hmm. Including other Indians, because even Indians have this internal. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because again, this bias is taught to all of us, not just to white people. Yeah. It's taught to everybody. No, that's true. That's right? true. So yeah. I will find a lot of Indian women will reach out to me, send me DMs, but they won't necessarily go ahead with booking. And maybe they're seeing other white physios. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but like it's it's possible, right? Yeah. But I feel like it's a start because this is the first time a lot of women are like, this is the first time I've seen 
anybody in our culture talk about these issues, about right. mental health, about physical health, about pelvic floor stuff. And I'm like, hey, maybe in 10 years, I will inspire another round of people just like yeah. other people before me have inspired me. And I'm like, even if I'm not directly treating other people, I think that is that is huge. Right. I really value yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, so I yeah. feel like there, there's, there's a couple places where, you know, I feel like there's so much need one to, to your point in, in pelvic physio, white girl here can say that like, Oh my God, there's so many blondes. <laughs> there really so are. I'm like, bad. I, I can't keep them straight. <laughs> like, cause there's so many and there's, I can't, I can't. And like, and, you and, probably and, recognize this, but they speak from the same lens, right? Like it's the same lens. Well, here's the other lens too, that I think is a bit more broad. And, and, you know, I, I, I've, I've been out 23 years now, 24 years. Um, when you speak from a place of knowing versus, you know, I, I think about, you know, in the years that I did pelvic health prior to having kids, I remember telling moms for like posture reasons, like, oh, hold your baby on the other side. If somebody freaking told me that, told me that, I would never go back. I'd be like, you have no freaking idea what you're talking about and why these went, you know, why these moms didn't, and they're like, oh, of course, what? I'm so sorry. Sometimes you just don't know. You just don't know. But, but again, like, you know, and, and, but I also didn't want to go into pelvic health right out of school. And there's so many voices now. And again, it's like double-edged sword. Like I'm, I'm very happy that there are more conversations. I'm very happy that there's more awareness. I'm, I'm completely flabbergasted that there are, um, you know, PT students that in PT school want to go into pelvic health and they know this, but I also feel like there's a bit that gets missed one from an experience level. And then also two from understanding the actual, you know, what it's like to navigate life with a couple of kids. I was chatting with somebody earlier today and she was talking about getting a running group together and you know how important it is safety wise to have women who run. And I was like, I can't. Yeah. That would be freaking amazing. I would love to have a group of running moms, but like my schedule is not the same from week to week. There's no, like, I'm lucky I get to the gym twice a week. Um, but like you wouldn't necessarily understand that unless you were a mom yourself, unless you were, yeah, yourself, yourself. And that's, that's totally it. Right. Like even as a person of color, you you don't really get it unless you're, you've had that lens and experience. So it's really hard for me to for somebody who has doesn't have that experience yes. to speak that that language. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My Absolutely. um uh I grew up in very well, you know, upstate New York, like we're we're whiter yeah. than white, you know, yeah. it's it's vanilla up there. Um and went to PT school in Philadelphia. And one of my very, very first roommates was an Indian woman from New Jersey. And bless yeah. her heart, she was so patient with me because I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> she was so helpful. She, she, she took me to a bunch of events and I'm like, what is going on here? And she, she was so helpful. Um, and I was just so thankful because I was like drinking from the fire hose, but there's still, you know, I, I can't expect her to, to be my, teach me all things Indian. You know, I learned a because lot. Because like, you could learn for a lifetime. Exactly. Like my husband is white and he's still learning. You know, we've been together yeah. for how many years? Almost 10 years. So, yeah. you know, it is, it is something that I truly believe that as I share, I realize that other people relate to my story, even mm-hmm. if they're not Indian, even if Very they're not much. immigrants. Very and much. And I think that's part of why my practice, my work is more trauma conscious too. Mm -hmm. I don't even 
there's no, I know people sell these terms. I'm trauma, you know, trauma aware, trauma informed. I am naturally more trauma-informed because of the experiences that yes. I've had in my life as, you know, somebody who's always stood out. And I really do think that I, I'm actually in the process of mentoring a few women of color, especially brown women, in who are physios new grads mm-hmm. and kind of helping them step into social media and step into oh, more wow. positions of leadership. And I'm really excited to do that because awesome. I feel like it's so necessary. I wish yeah. I had mentors like that. And I am so excited to kind of just uplift more people so that people see that there's opportunity for everyone because there's always moms who need support and there's always people who need support. And the irony is I actually don't relate to moms. Like I actually, (laughs) like I, I was thinking about, I'm like, I don't really like the typical mom groups. Like I actually hate mom groups. And like, I dread going to these mom events because I don't just work with moms. I work with certain types of people who maybe value their independence and value their bodies and value their mental health. And um, I would say that the average mom isn't there yet because society has put them into this bucket of you need to sacrifice yourself for everyone in your family. And it takes them so much work to get from there to then be ready for the type of work that I do where my clients already know that they're worth it. Right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of mindset coaching that I do with my clients who are in that journey to like understanding that they're worth it, especially in Indian culture where it is stereotypically the woman who is responsible for everything in the household. I see. And you've seen that modeled in your home. Like I I asked my clients, I'm like, how many of your moms exercised? How many, how many of you saw your mom doing these things for herself? So of course, when you're stressed, you're going to default back to what you saw in your household, which is nothing for yourself, everything for your kids. And I'm like, we are so obsessed about signing our newborn babies up for their music classes, sensory classes. And I'm like, how about you? Right? Like, and so these conversations are just starting to happen more and more, which I'm happy about, but many, many moms are not ready to hear that. You're fueling like a self-care revolution here <laughs> like that's Honestly, kind of a big deal it's a huge deal that's because i think deal. i think that if you prioritize your self care in the same way yeah. you prioritize your kids your mental health will be better and like for me oh, mental totally. health wise like i have made a huge like huge changes in the past four years fueled because of my kids like i have to take care of myself now whereas before i could overwork over exercise right. and find other ways to cope now I can't because I ha- don't have free time, like all right. the free time in the world. So right. I have to prioritize therapy and, you know, intentional periods of rest for myself. And I share a lot of that with my work too. And cl- like my clients were like, this is awesome. Like I'm building in self-care right from the beginning well, with a newborn. It gives them permission. It gives them permission that this is okay. And, you know, if anything, you're setting yourself up. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit further ahead in that with, with my kids, but like when they get out of the house yes, and you have your space again, you know, I, I think that's a, a huge sect of women that like they waited and then, you know, they're five, six, seven years out and they're like, oh my gosh, did I miss my chance? Can I not make changes? Why can't we start that conversation sooner in a way that it's manageable, you know, not that you're going to the spa every no, day, although that would be great. Yeah. You're like, Listen, no, no, just like I a quiet. I finally got a haircut yesterday. I had like literally seven inches of dead ends and I'm like. You just want to pee by yourself. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it's it's totally different. And I really think that's why 
it's it's interesting because I I find that moms with ten year olds, twelve year olds often relate to me because they're mm-hmm. just getting to that understanding now. For some yeah. reason, I got there much faster because I think I hit rock bottom faster. Yeah, and I was like, I don't like this type of life. I this is not the type of mother I want to be. Where I'm baking everything from scratch all the time and dedicating. I've I knit my daughter a blanket. I don't even know how to knit. I learned. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, I want to be that mom who knits everything and makes everything from scratch. And I'm like, no, it's actually not who I want to be at all. I, I think the pandemic killed any hopes for me whatsoever. I was like, all right, can you guys, can, can, is there, can you go grab something and eat it and you will not die? Like, I know my mom is Feed probably yourself, like, oh my God, what have I done? Did I raise this girl? I raised you better than that. But no, it, it, it's to your point. Like, but I, I also think too, I mean, kind of in this season now where my oldest is in middle school, you know, it's, there's so much bigger things you're trying to navigate. And if you don't care, if if you are not well-versed and caring for yourself, and if that is not on lock, yeah. it's a lot to juggle because these are some big picture things that, you Huge. know, it's, it's not just, okay, my kids stack three blocks in a row. It's like, yeah. okay, um, we've got some bigger issues yeah. to tackle here. Yeah. But if you don't have that self-care, you're not going to have that energy or that ability to care for them. Yeah, and then that. you're still lost yourself. You're so lost. Um, and like, I want you to like yourself as a person you know, as your mom, yeah. right? So I don't want you to forget who you are. I want you to like who you are. I want you to like your hobbies because yeah. like we talked about this before we hop, you know, we started recording is like our, you know, my daughter's been through some stuff this year with her daycare and yeah. there is no way I would have been able to handle those conversations Mm-mm. and stay as calm if I wasn't taking care of myself regularly right. because right. old me would have flown off the handle, gotten really angry and upset and mm-hmm. emotional and like all of those things. Yeah. And there was still certain amounts of that obviously emotions yeah but it was so much easier for me to show up as a calm self-regulated adult and you know rather than what a lot of people are doing is they just are not able to self-regulate because there's so little poured into themselves and I don't mean that to shame anybody if you're in that boat right now it's knowing that you can get out of that knowing that you have a choice to get out of that and to develop these strategies and you don't have to wait till life is perfect yeah i have clients no because it won't be be. (laughs) i have clients with kids with special needs who have four kids you know it's it's doable for any single person it's just what strategies might work for you might be different and what works for that person next exactly door. and and to your point um my son is texting me now i think he's on his way home from is he on the school bus so adorable <laughs> he's like hello i'm like yes hang him on the bus i'm like okay thanks because he's not patient um yeah first first time uh, taking school bus home and then walking home from from his drop-off point to the house so mom has so to be cute. on point with the text here um to, to my point exactly like he doesn't yeah. care but to be able to, you know, I think also for me too, um, we're at a time now where he's very conscious of, hey, I have things going on and I'm taking care of myself and I'm, I'm setting that example. I mean, I think about my mom who in retrospect, I think was probably a trendsetter. Like she stayed home with all of us, there's three of us, and then went back to work. But I remember when I went off to college, she would go to work early in the morning. She was a teacher she swam or she went to the gym and lifted weights. What? No way. You know, and now she's in her 70s and she goes kayaking with her friends or she does yoga with her friends or things like that. And I think back, I mean, she really made this huge shift um, 
from, I mean, she, she was a home ec major. So very, very like patriarchal family. Like she, she made our clothes. My parents built our house. So that just tells you how far she's come. But like, but what an example for me to continue to follow in. Yeah. Um, It just looks incredibly different, but I look at her and like, she's healthy and happy and all that stuff. And I'm like, ah, the, the stone's got, you know, you've got to lay that groundwork early, but to your point, it's, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like this done is better than perfect thing. I, if COVID has taught me nothing, it's been that because if you wait for the right moment, it will not come. It will never come. And even like something like, okay, you know, I used to be like, oh, I wanted to work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you miss Monday, then you're like, oh, screw it. Screw Wednesday too. Mm-hmm. And then it's like that all or nothing mindset, right? So now it's like, oh, I totally. can get five minutes in mm-hmm. while the pot of water is boiling. Yes. Okay, I'm doing my countertop push-ups. I'm doing my squats. I'm doing some mobility. It really doesn't have to be putting on have to be shiny tights, yes. going to the gym, you know, and yeah. I it's that whole piece. We and it's all about representation. If we always see people showing up online in social media, in TV, the ones mm-hmm. who work out are always dressed perfectly, have that flat stomach, so that we don't even see ourselves as able to do that. And I'm like, I think that's part of why people maybe resonate with my messaging is they're seeing me literally in whatever yes. I'm just getting in my movement. And yes. it doesn't have to be yes. overly complicated. Totally. Um, totally. No, I think that's such a, a strong message is, you know, you don't have to be in this perfect way it doesn't have to be a perfect time showing up you know done is better than perfect and and that's very different I think than how we probably initially went into this you know as prospective parents and I hope to God it keeps kind of going in that direction because you can't perfection is just it's will lead to failure right you're always going to fail it's a setup setup. yeah it's a setup you know, and I, I, I joke around with, with parents um, and, you know, moms that are about to have kids. And I was like, you know, again, I was the control freak that laminated my birth plan. I'm like, you lost control the second, second you got pregnant. you conceived. Yeah. And probably even before then. Yeah. Um, and so the sooner you can kind of let go of that, like whatever you resist persists, you know, on <laughs> that, that sort of thing. But you're, you've been such, I think, a lovely example Um for women of color, but then also for just the rest of the world to be like, hey, this is me. I'm going through this. You've been so open with your experience and, and so generous with, you know, kind of what you're learning along the way. Like I, I I just it's been fun to watch you over the last couple of years. And and I'm just so excited to see kind of where this evolves and where it goes. And you definitely owe me a cross country ski. Yes, um, we have to do yeah. that. I can't I can't even believe we had such similar stories and There's there's a few people out there while matrescence um Kim That's she's, right. Yeah. she's a skier. There's a couple I'm picturing other people. like a retreat, a cross country yes. ski like a winter retreat one. Year. Yes. Yes, that I think there's um epic. there's a physio in Finland. She's really good to yeah. So we're like if you're interested, we'll we'll throw this together at some point because <laughs> we got nothing else to do. <laughs> we have not literally nothing else going on, exactly. so we might as well plan that. We might as well just Nordic <laughs> and call it a day. And if you don't know what Nordic skiing is, that'll be another podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, if you if you guys want to find Surabi, she and did I say that right again? Please say so, it. Yeah, Surabi. Right. Surabi. Okay, great. I did. Oh, yay. That's twice. Um, You can find her her at the Passionate Physio 
on Instagram. Um, she's got one-on-one uh, programs. She's got some group programs. Um, and if you are anywhere in the world, you don't have to be in Canada, you can get in touch with her. Um, thank you so much for being on. Um, you were just a, a breath of fresh air in the social media space. And just, I, again, I can't wait till we ski. <laughs> me too. Thank you so much, Carrie, for having me on. I am so honored to be on your podcast. Um, and I'm excited to see where our space evolves. Yeah. Thanks again. You're welcome. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. Register now for the free on-demand postpartum mama masterclass, how to overcome the three most common return to run mistakes. You can skip to the good part and get back to running while missing these mistakes. Find this and more free resources under the patient section on carriepagliano.com. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carrie Pagliano and her guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.